commitment, dedication, success. Copland, Keebler, and Wallace. The most trusted name in executive search and consulting welcomes you to the KKNW podcast, where we delve deep into the not-so-simple art of hospitality. And now here's your host, award-winning journalist, compelling storyteller, and video strategist, Corey Saban. And welcome to the KKNW podcast. We hope this show is a resource for you to stay up to date on the latest trends, garner some new ideas and information to help you grow and enhance your operation. I am very excited about today's podcast. Tim Wegscheid, the president and executive director of Tee It Up for the Troops is with us. Tee It Up for for the Troops, their mission as a veteran support organization is to honor Remember, respect, and support all those who served in our armed forces for this great nation. Their vision is to help active duty service members, veterans, and their families from all branches and all conflicts to heal, transition, grow, and thrive. Tim, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here today, Corey. Also joining us is Dick Copland, a true visionary in the club industry and, of course, a named partner in Copland, Keebler, and Wallace. I can go on and on about Dick Copland, but I'm sure many of you are very aware of who he is. Dick, it's always wonderful to be with you. Hey, Corey, the same. I really enjoy talking with you, and and I'm looking forward to our conversation with Tim, and I've known Tim uh, for a number of years, so looking forward to it. Thanks, Corey. Well, Tim, if you would, let's start this party off right. Tell us about the origin of Tee It Up for the Troops, and what role did Dick play? Yeah, sure, Corey. That's, uh, it's interesting that our organization actually has some deep roots in the club industry uh, because our founder, a guy named uh, J.P. Paul, uh, was a club manager in the Twin Cities area, as were a couple of our original board members. But uh, J.P., his son, Tyler Ball, um, after the 9-11 attacks, he decided to stop college um, and joined the military. He joined the army back in 2005 and then deployed to Iraq, um, you know, in defense of our country and to stand up against some of the evils that were uh, portrayed against our country. But uh, Tyler, you know, deployed. And when he was in Iraq, um, as any concerned family or father would do, uh, he asked Tyler, you know, if there's anything that he could do to help him while he was deployed. And Tyler, selflessly responded that, you know, we got everything we need over here. If you want to do something for the men and women, uh, why don't you do something for when they come home? That's when they really need the help. And so from that conversation, our founder, J.B. Ball, uh, started up, uh, teed up for the troops back in 2005 with an initial event at uh, Mendicota Country Club. And, uh, you know, Dick, you were uh, much more involved with that uh, process back then because it was really before my time with the organization. I'd, I'd love to hear some of your stories and recollections as well. Well, Tim, thank you. What I recall is that JB was a good friend of mine, had been a good friend for many years. Uh, you're right, he was a former club manager, went into the investment business, and is, is a great uh, success in that business. But uh, he called me and told me about Tyler and what Tyler had said, and he said, you know, Dick, well, what can we do as a fundraiser? And I said, well, look, I, you know, I'm in the golf business. You've been in the golf business, the club business. Why don't we see if we can't do a golf outing? So I, I reached out to a few folks in Minneapolis, uh, and uh, Steve Watson, who's the manager of Minnesota today, I like the idea. Let me take it to my board and see what they think. So we, we did a session with his board, and the board uh, unanimously said, love the idea, let's do it. And that was the very first uh, event we had in 2005. And, and I would just tell you that 
you know, that first event, we were hoping to raise, uh, you know, a few thousand dollars. I think we raised thirty or forty thousand dollars. And Tim, I'll let you talk about where we are today in terms of uh, the revenues that See It Up has. But uh, uh, that it's been successful, and and we've continued that event since two thousand five for sixteen consecutive years now. Yeah, thanks, Dick, and thanks for being a part of that. You know, spark that's turned into what See It Up for Troops is today. Um, and obviously, that's what it takes to to get a fire going and. You know, over the last 16 years, we've hosted, you know, almost 600 different events around the country uh, in over 40 different states. Um, we've donated now over $11 million to various uh, veteran service organizations that um, assist uh, combat veterans in a variety of, you know, areas that are um, really we feel are key to their uh, returning from the battlefront to the home front. And so, you know, we've been donating over a, over a million dollars a year now for the last four or five years in support of, um, like I said, various things that we feel are really pertinent to our veterans um, as they sit today. And um, it comes across a variety of pillars that we've identified. Um, unfortunately, there's a, there's a much higher suicide rate for veterans than there is for the, the general public. And they say 22 a day, but the last year has unfortunately pushed that number even higher. We do a lot of work with PTSD and other uh, traumatic brain injuries that uh, veterans are dealing with, uh, do a lot with the families and the caregivers. Um, there's also a lot of housing and homelessness issues for vets. Um, and we also do a lot with employment because uh, the unemployment rate for veterans is much higher than it is for uh, the general public. And our last pillar is one related to uh, sports rehabilitation. Um, and obviously golf is a key part of that, but we work with uh, organizations that are delivering almost 60 different sports uh, many in an adaptive nature that allow them to, to ski down hills or bike or scuba dive or golf um, when their injuries would normally prevent them from doing that. So it's been an honor. And, uh, you know, from that humble beginning to where we are today, it's been quite a journey. You know, I'm curious of the emotion involved. Tim, I- you, uh, you mentioned uh, Tyler Ball. I just want to comment, you know, uh, Tyler has gone on uh, since his service, uh, you know, in the Army to, to become a firefighter in the Twin Cities and uh, raising a beautiful family. And I want to tell you, Tyler is just a, an exceptional young man, and uh, he's kind of what I'd like to be when I grow up someday. He's, he is really, truly an amazing young man, and, uh, and I really kind of credit him for giving us this idea. So, so uh, thank you, Tyler. You know, as you guys yeah, were talking to serve, about that. Uh, his community in a little different way, but right. uh, it's, uh, he truly is a great young man, and uh, gave to his country now he continues to give to his local community sorry about that guys i was just thinking as you one of the first person i'd like to comment on you were talking about how this has progressed through the years um you know we've been fortunate to to enlist the support of the the club management association club management association of america uh and uh, jeff morgan the the ceo uh really was enthusiastic about uh you know helping us and getting behind this and and uh, is serving, I believe, Tim, on the board. Is he not? Is he not? Uh, he's currently serving on the board of TF Troops. Is he not right now? Yes, he is. Yeah, and and he's uh, been very enthusiastic about this, and and has really helped introduce us to a number of clubs around the country, and and uh, has just expressed a desire to do that, and and uh, also I think uh, the listeners might want to know about uh, Tim. You're uh, your engagement with the conference, you're there every year uh, at, at with a booth for the the Tita for the troops uh, folks, and and often have a wounded warrior or someone who uh, 
has served uh, their country in, in your booth and may have a chance to meet uh, managers. And I, I know that's a very, uh, uh, you know, a very moving experience for all of us. So I uh, appreciate you doing that. No, we, Dick, we've been blessed to have a great relationship with the club managers association, uh, really since day one with your help and, and many, many others. And Jeff Morgan is serving on our national board. You served on our national board for 10 plus years. Kurt's been on our national board. You both continue to serve on our advisory board. Um, and many other club general managers across the country continually are continue to be connected to us through uh, different relationships um, that have been established. CMAA has been great to us. It's an honor every year for us to be uh, attending the conference. Uh, we get to uh, be neighbors with KK and W, which is always a lot of fun. Uh, I've got one of the funnest booths at that conference every year. Mm-hmm. And yes, we always make it a point to have combat veterans in there with us because that's our mission. Um, that's that's what we do every single day is to serve and give back to them for all the service and, and all the things that they did, you know, for us. So that conference has always been a great opportunity for us. But, you know, we also are extremely blessed that the, the club foundation has also been a key part of, of what we do as well. And we're blessed to get a, a, a do, annual donation from the club foundation. I'm um, usually during the closing session on the last day of the conference. Um, we're called forward and myself and uh, one or two local combat vets from where the conference is being hand, uh, is being hosted will be called forward and we're presented with a wonderful donation from the club foundation. So uh, the relationship is deep and very beneficial and, and greatly appreciated uh, with that organization. So, Dick, you know, you were involved um, even before my time with an event that really, I think, spoke to how CMAA and club general managers can rally around our mission um, with the Pinnacle Peak event that was hosted for many years in Scottsdale. And maybe you could talk a little bit about the origins of that event, your involvement. I, I, I don't think you ever got through one of our opening ceremonies without shedding some tears, but uh, it is a quite an emotional experience, as you know. But maybe you could uh, share a little bit of your background there. Um, with that great event. Sure, absolutely, Tim. Well, I've lived in Scottsdale now for 33 uh, years, and and so uh, I think uh, uh, JB called me one time and said, you know, Dick, <clears throat> excuse me, you live in Scottsdale, maybe we could do a, an event there. And I, I reached out to uh, to a Pinnacle Peak Country Club uh, and, uh, and uh, went in front of the board and explained to them what we like to do. And I will tell you, the board voted unanimously and said, let's do this. And I will tell you, for many years we had that event at, at the Pinnacle Peak, and the club board would continue to tell me, you know, Dick, of all of the events that we do, this one is the one that the members enjoy the most. And Pinnacle Peak is in a residential community, and when we played the event there, what we found is that the residents would actually uh, uh, put out American flags on their, on their back port patios, uh, you know, in recognition of the tournament. And the, the entire community really got behind the event and the and the, and the tournament, and it was uh, it was it was really uh, just a just a great event and uh, and uh, so well supported. And I can tell any any general manager of a club right now, or club manager, if you're thinking of an event, I can tell you once you've done this, uh, your board will say this is maybe the finest event we've ever done. It's, it's done professionally. And the members relate to it. It's it's a very much of a feel good event, and uh, how can you not enjoy that? And uh, so I would really urge all of you, if you've not done this event, uh, you could not you could not engage in a more worthwhile event that your members will truly enjoy participating in. So so uh, you know contact him and and uh, set up a time to talk to him, and he can explain to you uh, you know how the event 
would operate at your club. Yeah, I'm curious of that. I'm curious of the emotions. Um, you know, Dick, you touched on that very briefly when you brought it to the board and they said, yeah, let's get behind it. But Tim had asked you about the emotions of it. Talk to me about the full experience. Describe the day. I'm sure you're hearing from some of these warriors and they're sharing their stories and it's got to be heart-wrenching. Well, I'll try to tell you now without getting emotional, uh, Corey, because I always do. And Tim knows that, so Tim, you may have to help me. Um, but Pinnacle, Pinnacle Peak event is a good example. Uh, I always did the introductions there. And as part of the introduction, uh, we had the um, all of the uh, folks gather out in the, on the, uh, uh, the, the practice area before we started the event to tell them the, the format for the day. But we had uh, – then I asked all of the veterans to please step forward that were in the group. And we always had uh, a few uh, Gold Star uh, parents. And uh, I think the last time there were like two or three mothers, Gold Star, uh, meaning that they'd lost their sons or daughters in, in, uh, in, in, uh, in a war or in, uh, in our service to the country. And we would have them step forward and present to them, uh, you know, a flag and uh, roses. And at the same time, there would be a jet flyover, or not, jet, not a jet, a P-10 uh, some of these old P-10s, that, that there was a, a group of uh, members of Pinnacle Peak that flew these planes, and they would do a, an honorary flyover at the same time. And, of course, we had a bagpiper giving, uh, you know, the, the, uh, I, uh, you know, the, uh, the typical, uh, uh, I don't know what the song is, Tim, what do they play when they, the bagpiper plays the, uh, the, the, the song? But anyway... We would have that all going on as, as uh, people are front and center, and uh, it's a very emotional start to the day. And uh, and then, of course, uh, at end of day, we would have, uh, uh, you know, presentations and, and so forth, and oftentimes people would want to donate more money, and uh, and we would present checks uh, at that time. And it just, it just the entire day is very emotional and, and very uplifting. Um, and, and so uh, you just have to experience something like that to realize it's, it's all worth it. It's all worthwhile. You know, it's interesting you brought that up. I'm reminded of a story I saw on uh, CBS about a Gold Star kid who found $20 at a Cracker Barrel. And he put it in a little note and he wrote, you know, this is your lucky day in my family. We believe in paying it forward. And he handed it to a soldier and that soldier who was in the restaurant that he handed it to said it changed his life and his approach. And what happened is that effect snowballed and it's grown to over a couple of hundred thousand dollars of people donating and giving to these families. Um, but tee it up for the troops. Obviously, Tim, very powerful. And Dick talked about some of the golf events and some of the other events, but there's other ways that clubs can support Tee It Up for the Troops. Uh, I understand they can do that with a craft beer tasting even or a social event. That is very true. Um, And before I go to that, I'd like to just add to something that Dick talked about. Um, One of the trademarks of our Tee It Up for the Troops event um, is an opening ceremony, which Dick alluded to. Um, which is, you know, no matter what the length of time is, whether it's 10 minutes or, or 40 minutes, it's a, it's a time to stop and honor and remember all those who served our countries and sacrificed greatly. And, and when you talk about the emotions that go into it, that's one of the really things that uh, engages the club members into our event. Um, I've seen clubs that have um, had members who are parts of um, a local singing group in their church or 
or other activities where they'll they'll come in and sing the anthem and uh, and they'll also you know get involved with you know the committees to organize the auction or to get involved with bringing in the the veterans from all different generations uh, and the Gold Star families as, as Dick mentioned and and that really you know not only localizes the event within the community but also within the club to really get the members involved in such a meaningful way and then obviously we will always we will bring in local combat veterans. Um, to enhance that event by speaking at the dinner or speaking at that opening ceremony. So that's what really um, brings the message home in, in so many ways and really uh, engages the entire club into what we're doing. But as you noted, there are other ways that, you know, clubs can get involved. I mean, the vast majority of what we've done has been through, you know, a golf event. And, but we've had uh, clubs that have done a tennis event. Um, we actually had a very successful event that the tennis folks kind of said, well, wait a minute, we want to get involved and we want to help honor and support our veterans. And, so they started a serve it up for the troops event um, and engaged their whole tennis community into what we were doing. But as you noted, we've, we've trademarked the, the slogan foam of the brave. And so with the craft beer craze that's going on out there, uh, people can organize a craft beer tasting. Many times the local uh, craft brewers will donate the product because they're trying to get exposure for their different brews and, and get their name out in the community. So many times uh, they'll donate product and then we'll promote the foam of the brave. Uh, folks will pay to be a part of the the event, and then the funds raised will get put into action to help our vets. And um, we've also someone could do a, a wine tasting as well, a kind of a social event uh, for a tip it up for the troops event. Um, so there's a lot of different ways. Even if a club were to donate a foursome that we can use in in our auctions, there's just many ways the clubs can support what we're doing. Incredibly fulfilling work, wouldn't you say, Dick? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it truly is. And, uh, you know, before I forget, uh, I, I did mention Steve Watson was the manager at Pinnacle Dakota when we did the first event, and uh, Brian Strait was the manager at Pinnacle Peak, who really was so supportive of this when we when we got this underway. And, uh, and again, uh, I don't know of a better feel-good event than you can do than see that for the truth. So. You know, Tim, I want to get into those six pillars that you've identified because those are so important. And we realize that these people are out there fighting for our freedoms. And when they come home, sometimes they are forgotten. And organizations like yours are doing their part to make sure that they're getting the support that they need. So if you could, I know you touched on PTSD. If you could touch on the housing and the employment issues and challenges that some of these vets face and how you're working with them to solve those. Yeah, well, the housing, um, there's two parts to the housing. One is, you know, kind of providing transitional housing when veterans um, are hospitalized or they need uh, significant medical care. And one of our core partners in that area is a group called Fisher House. And um, if you're not familiar with Fisher House, they're, they're, almost, they're like the Ronald McDonald House for the military. Families can stay in their houses for free. Um, local groups come in and donate food and other services to keep the house, you know, looking great. And, you know, whether they're donating books for their kids involved so they can have games and books to partake. And, and the other part of the housing is homelessness. Um, unfortunately, there's a very high rate of homelessness among the veteran community. And unfortunately, a high, a high percentage of that also comes from the Vietnam veterans who were really not taken care of the way our current um, post 9-11 vets have been cared for at a, at a much higher level. Many of our veter- Vietnam veterans are still struggling and and battling homelessness. And so we've got several partners that we work with to provide homes, whether it's temporary or permanent housing for um, veterans so that they're not out on the street, that they've got a a place to be warm and and cared for and things like that. Um, And so they're very, very, you know, one of those core basic needs that we all have as a human being, and we should be able to be 
uh, covered on those kind of things. And so it's a critical uh, pillar that we work on. And employment's an interesting one. It's really a, um, a key one right now because with the drawdown of our military as the Iraq and Afghanistan war started to uh, wind down a bit, uh, there were more and more combat veterans going back to their communities than um, I think since World War II. And so, you know, the training that they receive makes them wonderful employees. I mean, they, they, you know, know how to follow, you know, protocols and directives and all those kind of things. But some of the training that they received in the military is a little different than what, uh, you know, what's expected of them in the civilian world. And I'll tell you a story that really brought it home for me. A good friend of mine, a Navy SEAL, um, was talking about his transition. He'd been in, with the SEALs for over 20 plus years. And uh, he wanted to get into the working world. And, it's, and you're part of the SEALs, team is everything. And he shared a line with me that just brought it to its core. He said, Tim, when you're serving in the SEAL teams, when you get knocked down, you've got a whole team of people waiting to pick you up. Mm. In the civilian world, when you got knocked down, people trample over you. They run right over you because there's always this push to kind of get to the next level. And it was really, really a difficult transition for him uh, to try to find his place in the civilian world and continue to be a productive uh, contributor, but uh, he fortunately has found his place. He's very, very happy. He's doing very, very well. But uh, that employment piece is difficult, especially if they are dealing with some things, of, you know, PTSD and some of those invisible wounds of war that may not uh, be as recognizable as a, a, you know, if you have a prosthetic or something like that. But those are a couple of the key core pillars that, that we work on and work with uh, great partners to deliver services to the system in those areas. Um, and the needs continue for sure. So from the battlefield to the boardroom, then, how are you helping them, uh, I guess, with a PTSD situation so they can overcome that and and not be afraid, hypothetically, if it's the 4th of July and fireworks are going off? Well, it's a process. It's not a quick recovery. Um, and uh, there's amazing technologies that are being advanced every day in the study of PTSD and and things like that. And the other one is, is traumatic brain injuries. Because of the, so many roadside bombs and things like that that were uh, so prevalent in Iraq and Afghanistan, um, you know, many times the advances with the medical technology, they'd survive the wounds, but the brain injuries would continue to be a major issue. So uh, there's some great advancements in technology with partners that we're working on that um, allow for uh, a lot of sleep therapy that allows them to enjoy a restful night of sleep, which is another one of those core basic things that we all need in order to be productive and happy people. Uh, so there's been a lot of sleep therapy things. There's a service dog programs, which are really important to what we do. Uh, Dick's very familiar with that. Dick, you've probably seen some of these service dogs, which cost about $25,000 to raise and train so that they're properly helping a vet. Uh, Dick, I'm sure you've seen uh, some of these service dogs in action for our vets. Oh, absolutely. They're incredible. Yeah, some of the best trained, and, and I've seen them change lives for veterans uh, that in ways we can't. Uh, I'm thinking of a local vet here in Minneapolis. Uh, he had been in multiple blasts, um, and he would just be he would just black out. Mm. He could be standing there talking to you, and his brain would literally just shut off, and he would hit the floor. Well, obviously, that's not a good thing. Um, and when his wife was at work, he'd be home alone. Well, he got a service dog. His service dog is named Melton. Uh, Melton's a good friend of all of us now. We get to see him all the time. He can sense when Reed is starting to get into a blackout situation. And he will come and tug on his pant leg. He'll do what he needs to do to get him in a seated position. 
or in a situation where he, you know, will not have a serious injury as a result of a fall or a crash or something like that. So these service dogs are incredible in what they can sense and what they can do for our veterans. So there's just a few things that uh, we're working on to help them with these uh, kind of invisible wounds of war. And Tim, normally you'll have one or two of these service dogs at the events and they are just incredible. Um, I don't know how much time we have left, Corey, but I want to ask Plenty Tim of to time. comment on one. Um, you know, what, one of the, uh, I recall, I received a call from a, a board member uh, who, you know, was thinking about doing this event and he was a little bit, uh, uh, a little bit, uh, well, let me say not hostile, but he was questioning and he said, well, he said, I've donated all these events and these uh, organizations, and I find out most of the money goes to administrative staff. And uh, I said, well, sure, that's true. I said, I, I happen to know there's some veterans organizations where I've donated, and I've come to find out when I do research that 50 60% is, is really administrative work. And I said, you'd be happy to know that our cost is nominal, nominal in terms of uh, total revenue, and all of our board members are volunteers. Uh, you know, well, Tim is a, is a paid executive, but it's a very small admin staff. And, Tim, what is the actual percentage? Because I think in terms of charitable organizations, it's probably one of the best I've ever seen in terms of our admin costs. Yeah, Tim, we're really proud of that. Uh, we do run very lean and mean, but as, as efficiently as we possibly can. Uh, our administrative expenses are less than 6%. So basically 94 cents of every dollar that comes in is going to go to help America's veterans, um, many of the top watchdog organizations that are doing ratings and whatnot, like Charity Navigator, we got 100 out of 100 out of, from them. Great nonprofits gave us their platinum rating. I mean, we're, we're really blessed to have them recognize, um, you know, our efforts and our efficiencies. So, well, I commend you. You've done an outstanding job, and uh, and that's something I think everybody can be very feel good, very good about, that this organization uh, truly returns the, the revenues to the, the people who really need the, the, the help. So thank you for that, Tim. So 94 cents of every dollar goes back to the organization. When we come back, we're going to talk about reunions, incredible emotional opportunity for your club to be part of something where you're reuniting battle buddies in just a moment. Copland, Keebler & Wallace has proudly supported the mission of Tee It Up for the Troops since it was founded in 2005. Private golf clubs across the country can support America's veterans through the mission of Tee It Up for the Troops in many different ways, including hosting a fundraising event, encouraging member sponsorship, and by donating a foursome for their auctions. We encourage you to learn more about how you can support their efforts by going to teeitupforthetroops.org. Maximize your return on investment by utilizing the expertise of the Copling, Keebler, and Wallace team. They have an unparalleled over 400 combined years of club and hospitality management experience to invest in your operation. They are not just another search firm. They are your trusted partners and advisors dedicated to ensuring your success. Quality isn't expensive, it's priceless. Are you effectively communicating with your members and prospects? Clubs that use regular video updates build stronger relationships. They allow members and staff to always be in the know. The best part? Videobolt.com does it all for you. Your dedicated producer will help you create a video content plan that we write, host, and produce and deliver in two days or less. No hassles or headaches. See why the top clubs are working with Videobolt.com and how they keep their members engaged. 
To learn more, visit videobolt.com slash clubs or call 855-235-0040. And welcome back to the KK&W Leadership Podcast. You know, Tim, I had the opportunity to watch one of the videos you sent me of the reunions where you're reuniting battle buddies who were separated due to battlefield injuries. And it was incredibly emotional. And Dick, I know you've attended multiple times. Tell us about that experience when these warriors reunite. Well, I'll, I'll comment first, Tim. You know, to watch and observe this and talk to them, it just is, um, it, it's just a, almost an out-of-the-body experience to, to, to see those uh, emotions and reactions surface. And um, I can tell you it's, it's really a, a highlight, I think, of probably the event. Um, I, I recall the one event in particular, and, it's the reunion event that I'm sure Tim will comment on that we have in Florida. And, and one year we were able, because of Kurt Keebler's relationship with the Nicholas companies um, and and, um, and uh, the folks that he knew within the organization, we were able to get Jack Nicholas to do a conference call on a speaker during the cocktail hour of, uh, of the program, the event, and uh, a number of uh, the, the warriors around the table with me and, when we introduced Jack, and he couldn't have been better about thanking them for their service and and what uh, you know he feels they mean to the country, and and uh, the guys were just so appreciative, and it's uh, it's just such an emotional time to have them together and share their stories and share their reunion stories. And uh, uh, Tim, I mean you've you've seen so many of these and so many more than I have, but I can tell you every time we go to these events, it just um, you realize you realize uh, how fortunate we are that there are people like this that, that that do what they do so that we can have the freedoms that we have to do what we do. But uh, Tim, I don't know if you got favorite stories, but I could tell I could tell you all kinds of stories of, uh, of those reunions that were just um, just so touching. Well, thanks, Dick. They they truly are. Um, and this, uh, you know, I talked about the pillars of support that we we provide as an organization and our reunion program, which is something that we launched. Uh, well, our 10th anniversary would have been this year, but we had to postpone this year's event um, in its normal format. But uh, 10 years where we've reunited battle buddies who were separated due to injuries and other conditions on the battlefield. And the bond that military members form when they're serving together and fighting together, um, when one of their battle buddies is injured and airlifted out, you know, that bond is severed. That relationship, that commitment, that team, um, and Many times someone's injured, they're airlifted to Germany, then they probably come back to the States, rehab for, you know, who knows how long. And then they're probably medically retired and sent back to their community. They may never see their unit again. So we came up with this concept to reunite battle buddies who were separated due to those conditions. And uh, we've been hosted over nine years now, we've been reuniting. My favorite story among the many is, uh, I'll, I'll just, Terry and Mike were both Vietnam helicopters uh, pilots. And um, at that time, we were getting helicopters knocked down left and right. They actually made a $5 bet about which one of them would get knocked down first. I mean, that's how likely it was. Well, Mike's helicopter, well, Terry was knocked down three times. But when Mike went down, uh, he broke uh, both legs and his back was broken. And the last time Terry saw him, he was in a full body cast in um, a hospital in Vietnam. But Terry had to go back out. He had to continue the fight. He had to continue to serve and sacrifice. They did not see each other again for 40 
seven years until we reunited them at our reunion event a couple years ago. And the emotion and the healing that went along with that reunion is uh, you just, you can't put it into words. Um, Terry told me that he had had 40, 45 years of nightmares when he reunited with Mike um, in, in addition to some of the counseling and other services that we helped to provide, he finally got rid of those nightmares, 40 some years of nightmares. So a very emotional experience. We, it's a three to four day event. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, counseling sessions. We've got a lot of opportunities for not only these veterans, but also those caregivers, those who are there to help strengthen that warrior at home on a day by day basis. We do a lot of um, services and, and Kevin McDonald, who is a very key part of many of the CMAA activities and I'm sure, Dick, you know him well. He's hosted several of those um, breakout sessions that we do to just help them open up and kind of get things out that they haven't been able to share with anybody. Uh, they just can't. Um, people don't understand. Dick, uh, do you recall any stories or things that sure. came out from that reunion and um, some of those demons that were released? Yeah, not not. I won't go into specific stories, but I'm glad you mentioned Kevin McDonald because uh, I don't know when it was that uh, – Tim, you invited him into this uh, process uh, to counsel some of these veterans as well as the caregivers. But I can tell you, Kevin can tell story after story about, um, you know, the people that he met. And I tell you, the value that Kevin brought and brings to this is that we we sometimes forget about the caregivers. and, And he spends time with spouses talking about their challenges and their lives and how they've been impacted and changed. And Kevin literally spends two, three days in, in, with, with these folks in, in sessions. And I can tell you that it's just a, a, a wonderful experience for the caregivers as well as Kevin. And I know Kevin could share any number of stories, but we, we certainly owe Kevin a, a, a big thank you for, for the work that he's done. And he said it's the most gratifying thing that he does, that he just he can't wait and look forward to it every year or so. So we've certainly got a great, uh, you know, a great ally in, in Kevin McDonald. Yeah, I'll tell you this, Dick, you may not be aware of this, but uh, we just, Kevin just did a, another a virtual session with our caregivers. And, you know, another big part of reunion is our Creative Vets uh, relationship. And, uh, Corey, Creative Vets is an organization that we've supported since day one. And they use the arts, music, hmm. pottery, paintings as a way for combat veterans to express their emotions that they just can't verbalize, but they can do it through a song or they can do it through a, 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 a sculpture or through a painting and uh, creative vets will come in and, and um, listen to a veteran and then they'll write a song. We have Nash, they have Nashville songwriters and, and uh, performers that'll perform the songs. Well, uh, Dick, just last week we did this with a group of caregivers. We did a virtual breakout session hosted by Kevin McDonald. Creative Vets uh, and one of their songwriters listened in and has now uh, cut a song uh, exploring and explaining some of the emotions and the challenges that these caregivers face on a day-by-day basis. So that, uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. I, I know uh, a good friend of mine who's a very forward-thinking leader, uh, Matt Lambert from Mirasol Country Club. His club is a great example of doing some work with Tee It Up for the Troops. Tell us about that relationship, Tim, so that we can plant some seeds so other GMs uh, can uh, follow Matt's lead. Well, Matt has just been a wonderful advocate for our mission uh, for over 10 years. 
um, and hosting events at the Country Club of Mirasol. Uh, it's been a great to work with him. Uh, he organizes a he and his team organize a wonderful opening ceremony with many of those elements that Dick mentioned um, are are part of what we like to do to honor and remember. Um, but he they actually came up with one really unique idea where he had a local helicopter company come out and uh, all the members would uh, purchase um, uh, so through kind of a raffle is they would uh, write their member number on golf balls. And then they would take the golf balls and fill them up in a basket, and this helicopter would, would go up, and it would come over the crowd a few different times. And then they had a, a, um, a, a target uh, painted on the practice range. And then the helicopter would hover over, and then they would dump all these golf balls out. And the, um, the ball that ended in the center of the target would, would get 50% of the raffle amount raised, but then the members would usually pressure them to donate that 50% to tee it up for the troops as well. So Matt's just done a great job. He and his team always come up with ingenious ideas. Um, he's kind of wanted to do something over the last few years where they, they get foursomes of members that uh, sign up to play in the event, and then we, we bring in a, a combat veteran that's the fifth in every single group. Mm. And they fill the field every year. Uh, it's just an honor to work with them. It's such a pleasure. And he is a visionary. He's always coming up with great new ideas on how we can make the event even bigger and better. You know, Dick, what would you say to other GMs out there that are not so sure about how to get started or why they should get started? Yeah, well, uh, Corey, you know, uh, uh, somebody once said, you only go around once in life, but if you do it right, it's, it's all well worth it. And, uh, you, you know, that's okay. And this is one of those events that I think we should all do at some point in our lives. We should, we should make this commitment to give something back. Um, I uh, was fortunate enough during the Vietnam era, I was not drafted. Uh, one of my best friends in, in high school and college was. And uh, Lowell's name is now on the wall in Vietnam, the Vietnam mm-hmm. Wall in Washington. I go every time I'm in Washington, D.C., I go and trace his name. And I think about uh, what if. I mean, we took our draft physical together, and, uh, you know, I was not drafted. He was. And I, so I did not serve. But uh, this is one of the ways that I felt I could get back. And I couldn't serve. And I would just ask other managers that this is how they can serve, especially if they've not. And, and uh, why not? Why not do this? Why not make that commitment? Such an incredibly worthy cause. So please take a take a good look at this. Contact him and get engaged and get your members engaged. And Tim, how can people reach you? Well, they can certainly go through our website, which is teeitupforthetroops.org, or if they want to contact me directly, uh, it's just simply Tim at teeitupforthetroops.org. Uh, we happy we're happy to explain. Um, you know, all the different uh, ways that we can support the event. And I think it's important to know that we work to fit into the culture of the club. We don't try to force anything. We want to work with what works for that club and their community and what, you know, they want to do in order to make an impact for America's veterans. And we'd be honored and and appreciative to talk to anybody that would like to learn more about this. You know, this is a leadership podcast as well. And Tim, I'd like to ask you a question about leadership. And Dick, I'm going to tee you up to a question as well. So get ready. Tim, I know your background is heavily involved in sports, having worked with uh, several of the sports franchises in the Minnesota area. So out of curiosity, you've gone from that industry in sports to 
really being forward thinking and helping our troops. Tell us about a leadership moment that you learned the most from that you've successfully used to help you be successful with Tee It Up for the Troops. Well, I think that one's probably uh, going to be a fairly easy one. Uh, when I was working, you know, as you mentioned, I, one of the roles I had was in the club industry, uh, working for the PGA Tour and their TPC golf property that was here in the, the Minneapolis area. And at the height of the Iraq-Afghanistan conflicts, um, the PGA Tour launched their Birdies for the Brave initiative. And uh, they approached me and asked me if I could put the game plan together for the entire TPC family of courses for them to be successful um, in doing it at, at each of these different courses around the country. And honestly, one of the first people I contacted, um, even though I was working in the golf industry and our club was in the golf industry, was J.B. Ball, the founder of Teed Up for the Troops. And I picked J.B.'s brain about what he was doing and how they were successfully doing this. But we took a lot of the ideas um, that my organization now is doing today and put that into that work. And we developed a game plan, a full top-to-bottom um, plan. And then we, myself, we put together a team where we presented this to all the other general managers and uh, club professionals within that family of clubs about how they could lead an event, how they could make a significant difference in their community. And um, that, that has raised millions and millions of dollars. It continues to be a very successful program for the PGA tour. You hear it on their tour telecast. You see it at their, you know, on ground uh, tournament events with hospitality tents for veterans and many other initiatives. Uh, that are a, a part of that uh, Birdies for the Brave uh, initiative. Tim, that's incredibly special, and you're a special individual. Um, I appreciate everything that you've done and you've shared with us um, just from the short time that we've been together. Um, Dick, I'd be curious because you, as a leader, are someone that's incredibly looked up to uh, in the industry, but why don't you tell us about a mentor that helped you develop as a leader? Well, I will tell you, uh, one of the best mentors I ever had was a woman by the name of Lois Kildall, who served on the very first board of directors, the very first club that I managed. And uh, I was a young man. I was 24 years old. I didn't really know, uh, uh, you know the difference between a hamburger and a hot dog at that time, I don't <laughs> think. And uh, Lois Kildall gave me a, a lesson in... Uh, in uh, presentation and, and how you uh, talk about things and, and all was being candid and forthright. And it was a, a little embarrassing at my first board meeting. I, and it, something had happened at the club and I was kind of making up a story and, and it really wasn't the truth. And I thought, well, the board didn't need to know all the details. And Lois Kildall did know the details. And so in the middle of my presentation, she said, Dick, you can, you can stop talking now. I know exactly what happened, and let me tell the board what happened. Well, we walked out of the boardroom that evening, and she grabbed me by the arm and said, Dick, I want to talk to you. And she pulled me aside, and she said, look, you know, I think you, uh, you're a young man that uh, has a lot of potential in this business, but I'm going to give you some advice. And she said, that is, whenever you go into the boardroom and you meet with your board, always tell the truth, because if you do that, you will never have to remember what you said. And she was watching me kind of tap dance around and trying to make up story after story. And that really, you know, was like hitting me alongside of the head with a two by four. And I, from then on, you know, told the truth. Now, 
you know, have I been Mother Teresa? No, but I can tell you when it comes to the important issues, Lois Kildall taught me that, you know, you, you act with integrity. And that was just one of the lessons she taught me as a young manager. But I, I can tell you that, uh, thankfully, because of people like Lois Kildall and others so through my management career and board members, and I always tell club general managers, you are so fortunate you have a mastermind group around that board table. Tap into those individuals, learn from them, watch them, and you'll learn about leadership because it's, it's there for you, it's available to you, and it's all free. And just, uh, just observe and learn. Well, Tim, Tee It Up for the Troops has a long-standing relationship with the CMAA. Club managers who are listening, this is a wonderful opportunity to do a great event at your club. Tim shared his information with you. And remember, support for our American heroes was never meant to end when they came home. And this is a forward-thinking way to not only support them and help them and those six pillars that Tim identified, but to do good. And as you know, doing good is good for business. You heard the passion from Tim. You heard the emotion from Dick. So thank you, Tim. And thank you, Dick, for your valuable insight. And thank you to everyone for tuning in to this edition of the Copland, Keebler, and Wallace podcast. To learn more about Copland, Keebler, and Wallace and how their team can help your organization, please visit www.copland.com and with and spelled out, keebler.com. Until next time, I'm Corey Sabin from videobolt.com.